Good morning. A scripture reading this morning is from Acts 2, it's verses 42 through 47. Again, that's Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who who were being saved. Thank you. You can be seated. Thank you for our scripture reading this morning, and thank you for our singing. We've had beautiful singing today, as we always do, and I'm very grateful for it, and very grateful for your participation in it. If you're visiting with us today, we're delighted to have you. We encourage you to come back and be with us. You're always an honored guest at Broadway. We love to have our guests, and we want you to know just how important you really are to us. If we can help you in any way, spiritually speaking, we want to do that best we possibly can. I encourage you to be with us again tonight at 6 o'clock. We will begin our uh, Sunday night seminar. Uh, We do this from time to time. The Sunday night seminars are a little different from just a sermon. We try to study a little more deeply, a little more in depth to the subject that we have. And we'll take a rather broad subject and then we'll narrow it down and study it more carefully. We'd finished a Sunday night seminar, a series on the Minor Prophets some time ago, And we'll begin another Sunday night seminar beginning this evening, Lord willing, and continue for the next several Sunday nights together. The topic that I have in mind is the preaching of the New Testament. I'd like to analyze the different sermons that you see in the New Testament and see what we can learn from them. For example, Peter preached five sermons that we have in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul preached four. Right there are nine sermons, very valuable pieces of material that we not only want to learn the content about that those sermons, but we want to learn how it was presented so that we'll better understand the Word of God for our lives. So try to be with us if uh, you're able to tonight at 6 and with each consecutive Sunday evening that we uh, come together. We just finished a great gospel meeting, and I want to thank you once again for your wonderful participation in that. And uh, so many helped in so many different ways, and we're grateful for that, grateful for our speaker and sacrifices that he made to come and be with us and for the lessons that he gave us. And I'd like to capitalize on that a little bit today, if I may. I'd like to build on that a little more. And I don't know if I've called this sermon the right way or not. I said it's Church 101. You understand what that means. I thought about saying, well, this is back to basics. Or maybe this is just the fundamentals. Or maybe we'll just call it um, Church 101. I have to admit, I'm not very good at picking out these topics. I don't have fancy, catchy types of titles that we might give a particular sermon. But at any rate, I think what we understand from this is that we're going to try to build from what we've learned this past week and devote ourselves to greater levels of service to the Lord. And that's certainly what I have in mind in helping us do that by our comments and our study today. You know, a lot of times being listless And we might just say, 
lazy, can describe us at times, spiritually speaking. We can get in the doldrums, can't we? And sometimes we can lose the spiritual fervor that we really ought to have and really what Christ wants us to have. In fact, I'm fearful, I'm concerned about the church of the Lord, that apathy may describe the church in many quadrants of our country and in our world. Some people are, just don't have the zeal and the desire for the Lord that they normally have. I found a passage in Romans chapter 15 that may help us in this regard. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, verse 13, and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. I thought, man, that's a great verse, isn't it? A Bible passage which talks about listening to the Word of God and receiving the benefits that we can receive from the Word of God. And it includes such great words like hope and joy and faith and, and just being filled with joy that I thought, you know, this is getting us back to the basics. Uh, if we'll take this sermon, this series of sermons our, in our gospel meetings, it can really pick us up and move us to greater heights of joy and service. Well, that's the idea that I have in mind. You know, sometimes athletes go through a slump. And um, the slump sometimes characterizes a baseball player. And if you go on the Internet and you'll look, you'll see some baseball players, great baseball players, are in a slump. And they will work their way out of the slump. For example, a good hitter that normally hits above 300 now is only hitting so far 180 or 188, something like that. Well, he's in a slump. He's only had one home run and 30 up to bats. Well, it's not really a great start. As we're starting the new season of baseball, we see there are certain teams that can start out with a slump, and they can work their way out of that slump, but generally it shows that if you start the new season in a slump, then that indicates a less productive year than what you might hope to have. I think sometimes that can characterize our lives spiritually. If we're not careful, we'll find ourselves in a spiritual slump. And we're not as productive for the Lord in helping others and growing ourselves as we ought. Is there something we can do to help us out of any kind of apathy, any kind of spiritual slump that you might find yourself in? I'm fearful that it's a great problem that the church of the Lord must face. One thing that will help us energize your faith. Let's use this gospel meeting that we just went through as a means of energizing our faith. Wouldn't it be a great time for us to renew our faith and our dedication to God? First of all, let's define faith, and then let's see just how important it is, and then let's suggest some reasons how we'll energize it. No one can overestimate the importance of faith. It's defined for us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. One modern translation put it this way, now faith is being sure of what we hope for, the certainty of what we do not see. And it's a pretty good way to define faith. Faith has conviction to it, it has trust to it, it has the element of obedience to it. Convicted in God's Word, trust in the promises of God and whatever God tells us to do, and obedience to do that. And here the Bible writer tells us in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, without it we cannot be pleasing to God. 
Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Isn't that a great verse, Hebrews eleven six. You can find that in the pages of your own Bible. And you want to study that and maybe mark that and go back and read that. And the point is how important faith is. For without faith we cannot be pleasing in the sight of God. Oh, how important a matter Bible faith is. Great men and women of faith are given to us in the pages of the Bible. We wouldn't have time to talk about Abraham, what great faith Abraham had. He's spoken of in the Old Testament. He's spoken of in the New Testament. And each time that the matter of Abraham is brought out, it is a discussion of his great faith. Now turn with me to a great passage of faith in John chapter 20. John chapter 20, this particular passage, I'm thinking about verse 30 and 31, a verse I'm sure you're familiar with, is a passage that talks about the fact of growing in faith. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples. Then John 20 and verse 30 which are not written in this book, but these are written, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Well, he tells us now what John wrote. John wrote a book, the Gospel according to John. And in this book there are many other signs, many other miracles, many other things which Jesus did, which are not included in that book, but these things are written that you will believe. If you follow the teaching, if you listen to the instruction. You will grow in your faith in God Almighty and in His Son. You know, there's another passage that I am thinking about that talks about the importance of faith. And that's found for us in Matthew chapter 14. And you'll recognize this particular passage as well. It comes to us in about verse 30. And there, in this particular instance... Yeah, Peter, and you'll recognize the incident where he wants to, he says to Jesus, let me come out there and walk on the water with you. And Peter answered him, Lord, verse 28, if it, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O ye of little faith, why did you doubt? You see how important faith is? Because that's what's going to happen to us. We're going to be filled with doubt. When a person grows to the spiritual level, whereby he doesn't doubt God, he doesn't doubt God's Word, he doesn't doubt the promises of God, you have a man or a woman who's grown in their faith. We understand what it is. We see how important it is that without God, we simply cannot be pleasing to Him without faith. Well, let's let this gospel meeting that we've had energize our faith. Let's not grow apathetic. Let's not get into some kind of spiritual slump. But let us look at the material which we have received and the material which we can study, and recognize that faith comes by hearing and hearing of the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, to study God's Word carefully and to grow in faith so that others may see our faith in action. 
You know, a lot of times you'll see Bible writers writing about that. They say, well, we hear of your love and faith. And Paul says that a lot of times in his New Testament epistles. When he's writing to the church at Corinth, the church at Galatia, churches of Galatia, or as we study, he's writing to Philemon in the New Testament. I hear of your love, your labor of love and your faith, and how you've done this and how you've done that. Their faith was an active, energetic type of faith. Let us not be apathetic with regard to our faith, but let our faith be a kind of an example to others, encouraging them that we have total trust and confidence in God and God's Word. We're men and women of faith. I'm suggesting that we energize our faith and grow in faith. Everybody's seen the cartoon figure, Charlie Brown. And he's rather uh, popular uh, character for the cartoon strips. One of the things always in the fall of the year, Charlie Brown is going after the football. And Lucy's holding the football, and he runs just as hard as he can to kick the football. But just as he's about to kick the football, Lucy takes the football away from him, and he does nothing but kick the air. And then he falls down. And this happens over and over and over again. And he thinks each year, you know, I'm not going to fall victim to that. But maybe, just maybe, she'll hold the football and I can kick it. And here again, Lucy's holding the football and Charlie Brown charges. And just at the last minute, she yanks the football out away from him. He kicks nothing but air and falls down on his back. And then Lucy comes up to him and leans down and says, Your faith in human nature, Charlie, is an inspiration for us all. Can that be said of our faith? That our faith is an inspiration to others? Let's energize our faith. Let's learn from what we've seen last week. The wonderful lessons that we're, we were exposed to, the biblical truths that we've learned, and grow in faith. One thing I'd like for us to do is hope. But before I explain about doing that, I'd like to explain, first of all, what hope means and then illustrate from the pages of the Bible how important hope is. Hope is that confident expectation to receive. The Bible tells us that hope is that which is attached to desire and expectation. When you have desire coupled with expectation, you have hope. And that's the biblical concept of hope. It is a great word that we've sung about already today, and we study from the pages of the Bible. We have a confident expectation to receive the promises Christ has given. The confident expectation as Christian people to receive what God said would take place. When Christ said, I repent of my sins and I'm baptized, I have the confident expectation that I have received the forgiveness of sins and will receive eternal life in the after a while. Hope is necessary. It carries us along through the difficult times of life. Abraham, the Bible says, was a man of hope. In Hebrews chapter 11, we see something again of how important this word is. It tells us, beginning at about verse 8, By faith Abraham was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. 
And he went out, not knowing where he was going. Verse 9. By faith he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Jacob, Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking for a city. He's looking forward to the city that has foundations. Verse 10. Whose designer and builder is God. Well, I've read for you Hebrews chapter 11, and I started in verse 8, and I continued on through verse 10. He was a man of hope, and the Bible says he looked for it off into the future. And I no doubt think, just like everyone else might, that the days may be difficult and trying and problematic. But yet, because of the hope that Abraham had, he would not see the realization of that in his life, but he would have it. And so it is, God gives us that confident expectation to receive. And so what I'm saying is we ought to fortify our hope. We ought to make it stronger. Let's build on what we did the previous week and grow stronger in hope and live with hope every single day that Christ and God have given us exceedingly great and precious promises and that we fully hope to receive those wonderful promises. I was reading about something that the people of South Korea had done. It was an interesting thing that caught my eye. You see, South Korea goes through three weeks of monsoon season, where all it does is just pour down rain for three weeks. This happens every year, and they can pretty well set their clock to the time that it's going to happen. So someone came up with a bright idea that they would paint the sidewalks. They would paint the sidewalks these bright colors, and they painted their sidewalks with... uh, fish and seagoing creatures and it looked like currents of the ocean and that kind of thing but they painted it with a certain kind of paint that could only be seen when the sidewalk is wet when the sidewalk is dry why it looks just like a normal sidewalk would look like but because of the hydrochromatic paint when the sidewalk is wet it just is illuminated with beautiful colors from the sea animal shapes and that kind of thing So that when they faced the three weeks of monsoon season, it would be cheerful and it would be something that they could see and would kind of pick them up as they would walk from place to place on the sidewalk. I thought that's a wonderful thing to look at. And when I looked at the paint and the job that they did, it was amazing, the artwork that they painted on their sidewalks. Why I thought of that is because monsoon seasons come in our lives. The monsoon will come. It'll come when we least expect it. The monsoons in our life will happen even though we never saw it coming. The difficulties, the problems, the adversities, the things that really carry us away. Monsoons come, don't they? What's going to help us through the monsoon season of our life? It's going to be the hope that we have in Christ Jesus and in eternal life. To fortify my hope, I turn to the Scripture. And I read passages like 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I find in this passage several key phrases. One key phrase, I'm in 1 Peter 1 in the verse of verse 13, preparing your minds for action. King James has girding up the loins of your mind. English Standard Version puts it in a little more of a modern vernacular. 
Here he's saying, now get your minds ready. Prepare yourselves. Get your heart and your mind ready and for the difficult times that are ahead. And think about the hope of the second coming of Christ and the ultimate realization of salvation. Because of our obedience to the gospel, we have forgiveness of sin as a present reality. But one day we'll have eternal life forever with God. Even though the difficulties of life come their way, and the monsoons are here and then they're gone, what will carry us through those difficult times of life is the Christian hope. Therefore, fortify your hope. And when the Bible uses the word hope in the New Testament, focus on that great word that God is promising you great and precious promises. And I believe in them. And I embrace them. And I fully expect to enjoy them. But our Bible passage also talked about love. And I don't suppose that there's a better definition of love than what one might find in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There are a number of words used in the New Testament about love. The agape love that we have in mind for the present is a love that desires the goodwill toward the other. It's not a sentimental type of love which one has for another. That certainly is something that's there. But the kind of love that we're talking about for the present that Paul has in mind, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it begins at about verse 4 and goes through verse 8, is a passage that talks about having the other person's interest in our heart and in our mind. It is a type of goodwill. Now that's how the word is defined Let's see how important it is. In 1 John, you cannot miss that point. As you read through the book of 1 John, you're going to be seeing just how important love really is. I turn to 1 John, and the passage that I have in mind is chapter 3, and I'll pick out a verse or two along these lines that perhaps will help us understand how important love really is. I'm looking at 1 John chapter 3. Notice how he um, begins the very chapter. See what kind of love the Father has given us, 1 John 3, verse 1, that we should be called children of God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? See how important love is? It is because of love that we're even called children of God. It gives us a kind of assurance of our salvation. Verse 14 is what I have in mind. We know that we passed out of death into life because we love the brothers Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Perhaps I should stop for a moment and explain some of these key words, these key phrases. Notice what he said in verse 13. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. And we might as well stop being surprised at that. He says, don't be surprised that the world hates you, that there's an element out there that does not love righteousness and does not love God and does not love God's Word. You might as well understand that fact. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. 1 John 3 in the verses, verse 13. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Now, how could that be? How could anyone uh, who hates his brother be a murderer? Well, he's not talking about being a murderer literally. Not a uh, uh, first-degree murderer, or what we might call a first-degree murderer, physically speaking, premeditation and deliberation. 
is the motives behind murder. You have to have those elements in order to constitute a first-degree capital offense. But he's not talking about that literally. He's talking about that spiritually. You see, that's what hate leads to. Hate of heart leads to murder. It's a kind of thought process, and it's kind of spiritual matter. It'll lead to that kind of thing. It's just like lust can lead to adultery in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, be careful of your heart, for out of it come the issues of life. Proverbs 4 and 28, the Bible is saying, be careful about this matter of guarding your heart, that you have love in your heart toward the other. He's talking about how important love is. It's because of this great love that we have eternal life, verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. Love is so important because we can know that we have forgiveness of sin by the way we love. It is the answer to our prayers. I'll pick out verse 22 and 23 in that regard. I'm in 1 John 3. <coughs> I'm learning how important love is. And whatever we ask, we receive for Him. He's talking about prayer there. Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another, just as He has commanded us. I not only know what love means, agape love, having the good will of heart and mind toward the other individual, but I also know something of how important love really is, that we love one another. It's a matter of assurance of salvation. It's a matter of abiding in Christ and abiding in God. Go to 1 John chapter 4, and I'm thinking about verse 7 here. Beloved, let us love one another. Here it is again, 1 John 4 and 7. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Verse 10, in this is love that we have loved God, but that He loved us, sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God. No one's ever seen His essence. Ultimately, directly, if we love one another, God abides in us and His love is perfected in us. You see, I'm looking at Bible passages that talk about the importance of it. This is so important. It talks about the assurance of salvation. It it talks about prayer, and my prayer life is bound up in this matter of love. It talks about the fact of God abiding in me, being with me, me being in a proper relationship with God. How important is this agape love? It simply cannot be overemphasized. But you know what I need to do? I need to activate my love. And I hope that we will take this particular gospel meeting and learn from it to activate our love and not be in some kind of spiritual doldrum or sleep but have the kind of active love that God really wants me to have and how am I going to do that I'm going to do that by reading my Bible studying great Bible passages just like this 1 John 4 and 9, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And I'm learning about that by reading my Bible, and I'm seeing how important love is 
not only toward my friends and neighbors, but even toward my enemies, that I love them. And I read from the Word of God how important God's love was for me. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world be saved through Him. John three sixteen and 17. God's great love for us is beyond human description and full understanding. Oh, how important. I need to activate my love. I need to activate my love toward God, toward Christ, toward His Word, toward my fellow man, toward my brothers and sisters in Christ, toward my enemies, and pray for them. Not that God would save them in their sin, but that God will be patient with them and they'll see the opportunity of what love can do to turn them around just like my Savior loved. One thing I really need to do in order to get out of the doldrums and get this apathy out of my heart is to enhance my joy. Now the word joy, let's define it and let's see how important it is and then let's see how we can enhance it. The word joy comes from the original word kara. Kara is closely related to charis. Charis means joy. Charis means grace. And we look at God's unmerited favor as a definition for grace. It's what we really need. We desperately need it, though we don't deserve it. And God gives it to us anyway through our obedient faith. We receive God's grace. And that word charis is such a wonderful word that's found throughout the pages of the New Testament We see it over and over again, God's unmerited favor. That's sort of the definition we've given to it, and it's a good definition. God is giving us His favor. He's blessing us in so many ways, and we should have kara, joy, from that. A good way to remember the definition of joy is to remember that it's linked to grace. And when we receive the grace, that enhances our joy. Now, the fact that we have it is a kind of delightful response for what God has done in my life. Notice in Romans chapter 14, a passage that I thought about that might help me understand this matter of joy even more. And it tells me something of the intrinsic nature of the kingdom of God. And it's a passage that you'll want to uh, remember. It's in um, Romans chapter 14, and the passage I have in mind is verse 17. For the kingdom of God, now that's something that's important to us, you see. That's the church of the Lord. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy is an essential part of being a member of the church of the Lord. Joy is an essential we receive as being children of God. Joy is what lightens the load off of a difficult day. Joy is what helps us along the life's uh, weary way. And one of the things that we surely need to do with regard to this matter is to pray that God will help us enhance our joy. Let's turn to a verse along that line in John chapter 16. 
John chapter 16 is a great passage that helps me understand how to enhance my joy. And I'm looking at a passage like John 16 and 24, and um, we'll try to be brief along this particular matter. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father, he will give it to you. Until now, you will have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Watch it now. Here it comes, John 16, 24. That your joy may be full. Doesn't that passage deserve serious consideration? The passage is John chapter 16, the verse, verse 24. And I'd love to talk about the context of that particular passage, but I I must be brief. But his point is about prayer. And that if you want your joy to be enhanced, pray that God will enhance the joy in your life, that God will, through providence and care of your life, answer your prayer and increase your joy. You see, we're getting back to Church 101 here. However you want to describe it, back to the basics, back to the fundamentals, whatever it might be, let's build on what we've learned last week and let us grow to higher levels of spirituality by praying to God, enhance my joy, O Lord, and help me see the greatness, the joy of your divine grace in my life. Oh, what God has done for me, what God has done for you. One other. Let's enjoy the peace that we have in Christ Jesus. First of all, let me define the word, then I want to show how important it is, and then I want to show us something of enjoying it. The word which we have before is the word peace, arene. It is a wonderful word in the pages of the New Testament. And it talks about having peace or, or um, harmonious type of relations with others, such as our fellow man, or a peace at our na- with our nation, or peace with God, or even peace with oneself. That's how the word is used and how it's defined. In Romans chapter 14, and I'll turn to that passage right quickly, Verses 17 through 19, he talks about uh, the matter once again that I think ought to be emphasized. Notice Romans 14. For the kingdom of God, a passage I mentioned a moment ago, verse 17, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, of peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. Did you get it? The passage is Romans chapter 14, and the verse is verse 19. So then let us pursue what makes for peace, and for mutual upbuilding. The proper relationship, harmonious relationship that we have with each other. The harmonious relationship with God. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. We even since have signed the peace treaty with God. We're no longer at war with God. God is our Lord. God is our master. He is our creator. And we are his servants. We are his creation. And we humbly submit ourselves to the will of God. Romans chapter 5 and the verses, verse 1. Peace. The peace that passes all understanding. It's beyond our ability to fully comprehend an inner kind of quality, a harmonious kind of life that we live because we know we've done the will of God. We've done the very best that we possibly could and now God's grace takes up, makes the difference. Peace. 
harmony. The Bible wants us to enjoy that. Enjoy the peace God has for you. The peace you have with God. The peace you have with yourself. And the peace that you have with your fellow man. Fortify your help, brethren, your hope. Activate your love. Enhance your joy. Enjoy the peace that God has for you. You know, with each one of these, two elements were given on how to do that, how to energize faith and fortify hope. One was study the Word of God, and the other was prayer. When you study the Word of God, uniting that with a sincere heart of the believer in prayer to God, you're going to energize your faith, fortify your hope, activate your love, enhance your joy, and enjoy the peaceful life that God has in store for every one of us now and eternal life in the life to come. If you've never obeyed the gospel, then you may not understand some of the things that I'm talking about. You may need for me to study with you more about the Word of God and what the gospel means. How important it is is for you to repent of your sins and confess your faith in Jesus Christ, Romans 10, 22 and 23, and be baptized into Christ for the remission of sins, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. You may need to come to a fuller understanding, a better understanding of these particular matters. And if so, let's do that. For those who know that, how important it is, and you want to enjoy this kind of life, a kind of life that is not spent just going through the motions, but a kind of life that has an energized faith, a fortified hope, an active love, an enhanced joy, and to learn to enjoy the peace that God has for us, then become a Christian now. And if you're unfaithful, Repent of it. Now, some of you were with us for every night of our gospel meeting, every service, for every Bible class. You were here, and I admire that so much. I guess I am right to say this. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you in a Christian way. Not a puffed-up, arrogant way, but I'm proud of people who love God and love the Word and they want to hear more of the Word taught. And then there were some who couldn't come because they were sick. And, and we've been remembering you in our prayers. We have been praying for you that God will bless you and heal you in His wonderful way, His providential way. And you couldn't be here, but you wanted to be here. And some were out of town and just couldn't be here. And sometimes it's that way. And then there were some who could be here but you were not here. And I don't know what to say about you. You need to energize your faith. You need to fortify your hope. Activate your love. Enhance your joy. And enjoy the peace that God has for all of us. Repent of that. And do that now. Won't you come? 
While together we stand and while we sing.